When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the Jim Brockmeyer Podcast. I'm your host, former Major League Baseball announcer, and the man you may have seen during the Westminster Dog Show advertising genital safe peanut butter. Happy to get that gig. I'm Jim Brockmeyer, here again with my co-host, Sheena Dodd. How you doing, Sheena? I'm great, Brockmeyer. I'm uh, really enjoying this uh, whole sticky stuff drama that's happening in baseball right now. Have you been paying attention? Oh, you know I have. Speaking of general safe peanut butter, there's other sticky stuff in the news, too. Yeah, Garrett Cole's press conference. Did, did you see that where they asked him if he uh, used the, the spider tack stuff? Yes, ridiculous and hilarious. Yeah, the, the longest response that meant yes that I have ever heard in my life. Perhaps that's ever been known to man. Plus, he spent the first 10 seconds completely frozen. Like, how are you not at all prepared to answer that question? You would think anyone who cheats has got to lie prepared for if they get called out. Yeah, well, my wife didn't. Oh, boy. Really, Jim? Yes, really. When I caught her railing my neighbor, she acted almost exactly like Garrett Cole. Same awkward silence, same mealy-mouthed response, same fingers covered in uh, mysterious sticky substance. Yep, got it, got it, Jim, yes. I, I, no, I know the story. Yeah, I know you know, Sheena, but well, some might not know. For those who listening who don't know, pitchers have been using sticky stuff to affect their pitches for years upon years. That's what a spitball was. Or they'd use pine tar or sunscreen, but now they're using this, uh, this spider tack stuff that was, like, designed to help weightlifters lift boulders. It's like super molasses. And it's making balls spin more to the point where they're basically unhittable. So now offense in baseball is way, way down. Can you even imagine how boring baseball has to become for people who love baseball to acknowledge that it is, in fact, boring? Because that's what the MLB is trying to do. They want baseball to just be regular boring as opposed to extremely want to kill yourself boring. And I think that's a noble endeavor, and everybody should get behind it. I, I mean, I can't argue with that. Well, I kind of wish you would, because I'm putting off the show, but I guess we should get started. As, as much as I hate to say it, here we go, oh boy, here we go. I guess today is a man that I've known for many, many years. He calls every single sport, from baseball to football to golf, leaving almost no jobs for broadcasters like myself. Yeah, his voice, it's literally everywhere from the World Series to the Super Bowl to my very own nightmares. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Joe Buck. Welcome, Joe. Hey, Jim. I'm so glad to know uh, that I haunt you. I didn't realize that I was visiting you in your sleep. <laughs> oh, Joe, I can't shake you. I've had so many diseases I couldn't shake, and I consider you one of them, Joe. You're in, you're in the My Disease Hall of Fame. I am the human version of gonorrhea for you, and I'm happy to fill that role. More specifically, chlamydia, which I'll get to oh, later. Yeah, that's an interesting twist. It's a painful one for me. But having you here, it's an absolute pleasure. And I mean that in the same way that pain can be pleasurable. Uh, Joe, I wanted to have you here like I wanted to have my testicle crushed by a high-heeled shoe. You're like, you're sort of a podcast dominatrix to me. So thank you for being here. 
that speaks to me. I mean, that's such a, it's so vivid. The whole dominatrix world is one that's always fascinated me and, and the men that are involved in that. I'm, I'm glad to know that you have uh, a working reference for that. It doesn't surprise me. I have lived it, Joe. I've lived every angle of it. I'm, I'm a dominant and a submissive, one of the very few people. I can have a great time just with myself on a whole weekend. I don't need anybody else. But now, as usual, Joe, I got a bone to pick with you. Let's start. I always do. So let's just start right off. So earlier this year, okay, you went on Colin Coward's podcast. Yeah. You told everybody that the reason you and Troy Aikman have so much fun and chemistry when you call NFL games was because during the broadcast, you'd occasionally drink alcohol. You remember, remember saying that? Oh, yeah. Sure, yeah. Right, that led to a lot, and I mean a lot, of clickbait headlines of people being like, oh, Joe Buck's unprofessional. He's drinking on the job. And all I have to say is, Joe, you stole my shtick. You stole my gimmick. Yeah, I know no. you wouldn't. What is, you admitted basically that your secret to success was ripping off Jim Brockmeyer. All you were missing was a plaid jacket and my unique variant of chlamydia. There, I worked <laughs> chlamydia into it. You don't have that, do you? I don't, no. Uh, I, I, no, I, I've not been checked for it. I've been checked for COVID 431 times over the past calendar year, but but not any strange variant of, of uh, chlamydia. I will say this though, the difference between you and me is what people said and and, you're right. It was clickbait. And this was a handful of years ago. I have the ability to take a couple of sips and stop. Yeah. Like it's kind of a mental trigger to me that, Hey, I'm just there doing a game. I send a runner to either go get the biggest beer or whatever. I just like that in front of me to go, Hey, relax and have fun. Now for you, I don't feel like you have the off switch. Like I, I feel like the runner would likely, just run him or herself right into the ground, going back to the concession stand over and over and over again. And eventually you would talk about your cheating wife and get yourself in more trouble. I just take a couple of sips. Okay, Joe. All right. I, yes, I do. I get drunker than you, but that's just because like with broadcasting, I'm better than you at everything. Okay. True. Including getting drunk. But you know, I, I didn't do that to you. I didn't steal your shtick, Joe. I didn't steal the thing that made you successful. Like I never tried to kidnap your dad and make him my father. I didn't do that. No. And, and I think that was a missed opportunity for you because back when we were in the minor leagues together, you would constantly have me send my dad, your audition cassettes. And I think back then it was almost eight track. And you would say, please have your father listen to this and give me notes. And I sent it to him the first time. And he was like, yeah, this, uh, this kid really sucks. And, and that, that was kind of it. So I would tell you that I continued to send him your cassettes, but I, I just uh, piled them up in the back of my uh, Maxima. That's a pretty good Jack Buck impression you do. Well, <laughs> thanks. I appreciate it very much. And genetics and experience are on your side with that particular impression. But, you know, your dad, your dad taught you everything, you know, whatever. I'm the one who taught you how to drink on the job, though. And you never credited me. Not one time. I'm happy to. I, I think that should be the sub headline of this podcast. Uh, my visit with my arch rival who visits me in my dreams and who I taught to drink on the job, Joe Buck. And, and while we're on the topic, you don't even drink on the job correctly. Because you said you took a sip or two just to like have a reminder to loosen up. Right. Look, first of all, Joe, let me learn you a couple of things as my grandmama used to say. 
You want to loosen up? Don't drink. Do poppers, okay? That'll loosen you right up. Specifically, your sphincter becomes very, very loose. Yeah, I was going to say, it seemed to work well for uh, Hannibal Lecter and his, uh, his friend. Wonderful example. See, at that point, then, if you still want to drink on the job after the poppers, you just put a whiskey-soaked tampon right up there. Slides right on up. It's very loose. These are the pearls of wisdom. And you can put pearls in there, too. It is, it is literally one of the best pieces of advice I've ever been given. And I, I'm a little bit pissed off that I'm getting at the age of 52. And uh, I don't think I can accomplish these things physically anymore. Maybe back in the day, but not now. No, nah, I'm older than you, Joe. I can still accomplish it. So I'm, I'm sure you well, can. you've had a lot of practice. And let's just say you're a little looser than me. Yeah. And so, and so many parts of me have been loosened up over time. It's true. Right. Yeah. Your personality and orifices. My sphincter, everything. I do feel like you owe me, Joe. I'm not kidding now. I'm not going to do anything about it right now. But I, I swear to God, if I hear you say that the reason you're so good at calling the World Series is because you smoke DMT with John Smoltz, I'm going to consider that copyright infringement. I'm going to pursue legal action. All right. Even, I wish I knew what that was. What is that? It's, I had to look it up myself. It's some <laughs> dimethyl tetrasmunt. And then dimethyltryptamine. Oh. Which is what? Like some kind of meth or something? It's like a hallucinogen. Oh, right, it's like right. acid or oh. mushrooms. It's like a party hallucinogenic drug. Oh, well, there you go. I, I, I have not dipped my toe into the waters of any hallucinogens. So you can rest easy that that will never be a headline, Mr. Brockmeyer, that, that I have stolen that trick from you. If it is, I, I'm gonna, you know I'll sue. I sued Musburger over saying this is for all the Tostitos because that's what I say. That's what I shout out during Climax. But then, you know, Tostitos sued me, so I had to drop that one. But I'll stick with this, Joe. I will. So just be warned. Hey, I, I, I would expect nothing less, and I would expect more of me than to, uh, to not give you credit if that becomes my go-to during a World Series. Yeah, just watch it. Okay. Uh, folks listening, you probably have gathered by now, if you didn't already know, that Joe and I go way back. Uh, we came up announcing at the same time, Joe in St. Louis, me in Kansas City. I was a groomsman at your wedding, right, Joe? Gro groomsman at Joe's wedding. The first one. First wedding. The first one. The, yeah, the, thanks. <laughs> the warm-up one. Yeah. Um, right go ahead. Talk. No, feel free to walk away, Joe. That's This is just symbolic. You can't see this, but Joe's just walked away. And now I'm still talking, and that's completely symbolic well, of our lots of Here's what I life. had to do. The baby monitor is on. I have twin three-year-olds. Unlike you, I'm actually you know, a present father. So if you wanted to do the rest of this podcast with their monitor on as they go down for a nap and they're screaming and yelling, I'm happy to go back and turn it on. I was gone for, you're so fragile. After all these years, you're so fragile. So that is a great assessment. Yeah, bro. I mean, Sheena, I walk away for not even four seconds and he's a, this, no. this is so symbolic. Trust, yeah. trust me, I know. God, it's so yep. symbolic. You you just leave me in the lurch and I'm, I'm right back in my chair. Nobody had to know. Nobody had to know. He's good. That was a pretty good Brockmire. I, I, I feel like you have set the entire broadcasting profession back just a little bit, Jim. By being so successful in telling your story to such a wide audience and making it appear that us announcers talk just 24-7, first of all, and then talk like that. Like, hey, honey, if you don't mind to pass the salt, love to have the salt on my pork rinds. 
See, Joe, th what you're doing right now, I know you mean it as like a parody and to be hurtful, but it's actually a tremendous improvement of what you normally do. <laughs> I mean, you might want to consider going with what you're doing right now. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I need to mix a little bit more of the announcer guy into my, into my daily routine. Well, just straight up do your, uh, your dad like you were doing earlier. Just do a hey. checkbook thing. Exactly, do that. Here's a 2-2 pitch. Boy, that's really good. That's eerily good. Swung on and grounded to the shortstop position. Ozzy up over and out. Boy, that's bringing me back. That makes me feel all warm inside. No, that's the schnapps. Yeah, that is. It's like it is also the Sazerac ride that I am sipping. But anyway, you completely derailed me by walking away uh, so rudely. I'm so sorry. I'll never do that again. We know each other a long time, enough so that you're comfortable enough just to walk away in the middle of us chatting. I, I know you don't know what it's like to be kind of a present dad. So I did that for you. I did it. I turned that off so you wouldn't have to be reminded of your failings as a father, as well, you would have had to be interviewing me as my kids are whining in the background. Look, I, I guess I appreciate it. I, I have a lot more kids than you. I just don't, uh, I don't intend to them like that. Yeah, he's more quantity over quality. I have between 11 and 19 children. Oh, yeah. well. I've met a couple of them. Now, people ask me a lot, do I still see Joe? And I say yes every once in a while, mostly at my interventions. And... So people wonder, we've spent so much time together over the years, they wonder why we don't get along better. And I usually respond by just Googling a picture of your face and I show it to them. And they're like, oh, yeah, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, they just see their face. It's so funny you do that because people ask me the same thing now that you're famous for being famous and they want to know why we don't get along better than we do. And I Google a picture of you and I show your face to my friends and they're like, oh, you mean, yeah. Okay. So you do the Got same it. thing. That's an amazing, in a way, we're like two hateful peas in a pod. We, yeah. it, yes. It's funny. But I'm not sure that's the best answer. Like, how would you describe our relationship? Like, how, how would you describe it? Definitely platonic. Well, yeah, that's for sure. Although there was that one time we were rolling around and then it turned into love play. But that was just one time. Yeah, that, uh, that doesn't even count. I would say probably described as love hate exactly i agree yeah and and there's i don't know why there isn't more love uh as opposed to the constant hate that seems to be coming from you to me that would take effort on my part i i don't i don't care enough to hate yeah i'm like the match to your yankees you just you don't care you can't get my back page it doesn't matter what you do you cannot get the back page in my life because it just isn't that important I, no, I, believe me, I get that. And I will not deny that there's at least a little bit of jealousy beneath my resentment of you. I mean, you're the biggest broadcaster in America, Joe, and I'm, I'm, do, what I'm, I'm doing this. I'm doing this podcast for Dan Lebetard's latest boondoggle. I've been thinking a lot about this. I think we're actually kind of mirror images of each other. Like when something goes right for you, something goes terribly wrong for me. Did you know that? Like, when, for example... The day you got to call the Cubs winning Game 7 of the World Series, I shit my pants at a Wendy's that day. Did you know that? I did not know that. That's what happened to me. It's like God knew what was happening and sent an angel to just elbow drop my lower intestine. But, but in my defense, because it seems like you're pinning it on me for doing good things that then lead to bad things for you, how often are you shitting your pants in Wendy's? I mean, that's not like a once in a 108 year occurrence, which was- Yeah, that's the, right, that's the right question. Right, I mean, that's the that right was question. the Cubs winning their first World Series in over a hundred years. I'm saying that's the first time you shit in your pants at a Wendy's since three days prior. Yeah, you're probably right. I'll tell you what, the next time I shit my pants, 
I'll, I'll phone you up and see what's happened. And if, if something good has happened to you, then that will prove my theory. Okay, I'd, I'd rather define this that way. All right, wait, hold on a second. Hold on, wait. <laughs> okay, all right, just shit myself. Did anything good just happen to you? Yeah, I won my eighth Emmy two nights ago. Yeah, see, all right, well, so, so far my theory's holding up. Um, do you think if our lives had gone just slightly differently, our situations could have been flipped? Like, do you ever wonder what it'd be like if I was the one who was Mr. Successful and you were stuck in Eastern Europe calling Lithuanian wife-carrying contests? Uh, by the way, that's not so bad. I had a great time in Lithuania, other than the, that Polish hooker trying to bite my face after she got too high on crocodile. That's another, do you know what that drug is, Joe? I, I don't, I'm really bad on the drug category. So, you know, what's the crocodile again? Uh, it's like a synthetic heroin. That's right, it's like synthetic heroin. That's right. Yeah, Very big Sheena, in Russia. you're a big hit at parties, I assume. Since you're, you're <laughs> the, like oh, a, yeah. a walking glossary of hallucinations. Uh, the, the only place that me and Jim actually get Well, I take all the stuff, and then she's there. She reminds me what it is. Like, what oh. I just take, Sheena? What's the crocodile again? Oh, right, the synthetic heroin. Yeah, what should I be feeling right now? Great. Oh, I just shit myself. But, you know, it's interesting you don't know that there's all this stuff, because you are from... You're from Florida, Joe. I mean, drugs and face biting, isn't that the state pastime? <laughs> well, I was only there for the first month of my life. I was born in Florida because it was spring training time and my mom couldn't travel. So I was born in April. My mom had to stay in St. Pete where the Cardinals were training for the 1969 season. And then, you know, off she went back to St. Louis. So yes, I was born in Florida. No, I, I was not around long enough to get into the uh, face fighting part of my uh, my predetermined life as a Floridian. <laughs> well, two things. First of all, boy, you, you know, people say you hear the expression, he was born into this, but you really were. My good spring training and your mom had to stay. In and... the dugout. I came right, right, right out by the bat rack. You were born in the dugout? I was born in the dugout by the bat rack. Uh, my head came out. It was massive. They put, I think it was Roger Freed's helmet on my head. And then off they <laughs> took me back to our rented house in, uh, in Madeira Beach. We're going to get to your head size in just a few minutes, Joe. But, um, but uh, wow, that's, that's really amazing. That's like, that's, you're an American folk hero born in the dugout in spring training. And your dad's Jack, but are you related to Paul Bunyan too? Like, can you fell trees with like a single blow? <laughs> yeah, I never, I'll look that up. I, I don't know uh, which other American heroes I'm related to, but uh, according to my boys, I am part superhero um, and really trying, again, I'm back to that because I'm trying to make you feel bad about not really being involved with your 11 to 19 kids. I'm too I, high I, on I crocodile to feel bad about anything. <laughs> well, you know, I, well, uh, look, I'm, it's no secret that I'm wildly jealous of you, but you know, whenever I think about what it would actually be like to be in your shoes, I have to remember there are downsides to it. I mean, oftentimes, boy, I see your name trending on the social media and I click on that and it's just filled with people so furious at you. I know, it's great. My God, what did Joe Buck do to these folks? I mean, did he expose himself on a Zoom or did he? No, that was a CNN guy. That was the CNN guy. Right, that was Tubin. That wasn't you. Right. Uh, did you mildly criticize a K-pop group one time? I mean... <laughs> What bought you all this? No, you didn't. You just called a ball game, any game, and people just instinctively hate you for that. And I wonder, why is that, Joe? I can't speak from the, to that experience personally because I'm widely beloved, as you know. But why, why, why is that that people just get so on you for calling ball games? 
Well, Jim, it's something that I, I don't know that this is going to make a lot of sense to you, but having done now 23 World Series nationally. What a brag. What a flexy, flexy brag that was. But go ahead. Yeah. I'm flexing on that for you. I don't know that I would bring that up, but on the heels of that question, I feel only right bringing up my resume, at least a portion of it, not the six Super Bowls or the other stuff, but or the five U.S. Opens or whatever. I'm not. I'm not going to bring any of that up. Or I already mentioned the eight Emmys. I very close to killing myself. Very close to death's door. So go ahead. I want to hear your theory about why after people get 23 upset. Twenty-three World Series. We're when uh, twenty-three. Okay. Yeah. At, when when I show up and I'm there, and fans for their teams have listened to their announcers all year, yell to the rooftops and from the rooftops for their team hitting a home run and gets sad when the other team hits a home run and a home run for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Oh my God, he hit it. It's gone out of here. And then somebody hits a home run for the other team and it's, oh, and that ball is going to leave the ballpark. And now the Pirates trail four to three. And everybody's thinking and rooting along the same lines and every little you know, fiefdom. Well, now I show up and I have to get excited for both teams. And people think, therefore, I hate their team because I get excited that their team just gave up a home run when in actuality, I don't care. I don't care who wins. I just want to do my job. But people don't really understand that. And I'm the only guy that's done this stuff in the age of social media. So it's kind of got its own life. I got to have I have to live with it or I have to quit. And someday the latter will happen and the former will not. And it's more of a baseball thing. Because baseball have their local TV announcers. Football, it's all national except for the radio coverage. So it's a different deal. But the Philly fans are also Eagle fans. The Yankee fans are also Giants fans. The right on down the line. So I can't really get away from it. But I don't really give two shits about it anymore. I don't blame you, Joe. I mean, you got to get immune to it. I mean, I, just so you know. I defend you on this all the time. The, the people saying you're biased in some way, they couldn't be more wrong. What I tell them is, hey, Joe Buck cares for nobody except Joe Buck, okay? <laughs> that is so correct. You have no idea how dead on that is, especially when I'm doing those games. I don't know how I've managed to be biased for and against every team. That doesn't seem possible, but I have if you go by the uh, electronic complaint box known as Twitter. It doesn't make sense, but I have, an, I have another theory that maybe it'll help. Please. I think that you look like you think you're better than me, okay? Personally? Well, everybody. Like, I mean, they oh. collected me. Like, you, you look at your face, you go, boy, that guy thinks he's better than me. That's Well, what I mean, if it's Brad Pitt watching the game from his bungalow uh, in Los Angeles, no, I'm not looking at Brad Pitt like, hey, I'm better than you. But if it's you sitting on your you know, secondhand couch with different insects crawling around on your face as you're passed out on ketamine or whatever you're taking. Crocodile. Uh, what's what's ketamine again, Sheena? Yeah, let's go back. What, let's go back to the glossary. Because I, I, I took that. What's ketamine? Oh, that's the, oh, that's the horse tranquilizer. Horse, right, yes, horse, tranquilizer. horse tranquilizer. Yeah, I've taken yeah. that too. So if it's, yeah, you can rest assured that if you're watching me, I am looking at you through the camera as if I am better than you. Right. Just you. Everybody except for Brad Pitt has that reaction to you. You know, uh, world leaders. And world leaders. So, okay. Maybe even Boris Johnson. He seems like the kind of guy who's watching a lot of MLB on Fox. So another guy, I probably am not looking at askance. But in this case, for you, yes, I am looking at you that way. I, I feel like you're being very perceptive. I, 
All right, Joe, I mean, easy. I'm just trying to help you out here with a theory which might help make more sense to you. Because even before COVID, I thought they put a, a glass divider between you and your broadcast partner because whoever that was would inevitably take a swing at your stupid face. Does that make you feel better? It does. And I think it's genius. And I, I think they should stay up. Even post pandemic, I think they, for your safety, I think they should. For my safety and for the safety of others in the booth, in case there's you know shrapnel flying around in there, I think they should keep those things up. Well, since COVID, has anybody taken a swing at you? In the, has Smoltz or, or Troy taken a swing at you in the booth? Oddly enough, no. So exactly. So right. they should keep them up, and that's they haven't because of because believe me, Troy and John look at your face and go, Joe thinks he's better than me. I'm going to punch him very soon. No, I, I feel that sometimes. That's why Troy drinks, not not to have a loosen up with you. Troy Troy has got, I don't even know, it's beyond six pack, eight pack, 12 pack. He's shredded. Smoltz, no. He would still kick my ass, but it would just take longer. Aikman, <laughs> it would be one hit and down. So I, I try to play nice as, as best I can in, in the little sandbox we call the broadcast booth. Now, I'm glad you just saved that because I was about to say, so you think you could kick John Smoltz's ass, huh? I'm going to set that up. No, he's bigger. He's clearly stronger. It just would take a little bit It would longer. just be a round three knockout as opposed to a round one right. knockout. Right. It would just, as the other one is just walk to the center of the ring, touch gloves, bang, I'm down. I think a lot of... Uh of the vitriol, the aforementioned vitriol that gets thrown at you is definitely unfair. Even I think it's unfair, Joe. People forget that you're a real three-dimensional person. You might even be four-dimensional. That's how big your head is, Joe. I told you I'd get to the head thing. <laughs> now, let me ask you a question about your head. Does it bend, in your experience, is your, has your, the size of your head bent the space-time continuum? Maybe that's why I get so bored when I listen to you talk. It's because time is actually moving slower in your head's orbit. That could be. And uh, I, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't gone into the kind of the nuts and bolts of it. And there are nuts and bolts involved with the size of my head. But I look at you and I, the two of us even out to a perfectly normal size head. You think I have a small head? Yeah, it's from the storyboard of Beetlejuice. It's, it's, <laughs> it's tiny. There's not much there. I see glasses <laughs> that are just enveloping your entire face. Wait a minute. It's not even Beetlejuice. It's the storyboard of Beetlejuice. It's the little cartoon. It's just the drawing. They're like, has anybody seen Brockmire? Yeah, we want a character that looks like this. And they put you up and then they painted Michael Keaton's face white and his head got really small. And, and that's that's what I see when I look at you. Wow. Or or when Zika was kind of all the rage. I, I, I feel like that was. Was that the virus or the summer cooler drink? Which one was the Zika? <laughs> No, the Zemo, that was the summer cool. Zemo, yes. But well, let me ask you one scientific question, Neil deGrasse Tyson type question, just to clear this scientific thing up about the size of your head. Now, what I'm getting is you're very jealous of my normal size head. That's why you I would not call your size. No, your head size is not normal. Mine is not normal. Mine is big. Yours is not normal. Yours is small. Wow. It does look really small, Jim. Wow. I just answered this question. Yes yeah. or no? When you sneeze, does a black hole blow open? Has that ever happened? Yes. There's no like, like the whole thing with something good happening with me and then you shooting yourself in a drive through at Wendy's. There's no like, you know, this happened and then this happened, but there have been, the timing has been relatively close and maybe, maybe it is because of me sneezing. Well, you can be as flippant as you want about it, Joe, but I've always theorized that your head, there's enough concentrated gravity in one point in space for you to be able to actually see through time. I mean, your head is so large at peak sneeze, you could, have you ever seen yourself as a baby in the middle of your sneeze? You ever gone back in time and viewed yourself coming out of your mama in the dugout in 1969? Ever see it happen? Um, 
Uh, yeah, I see red. You see cardinal red. Yeah, it's cardinal <laughs> red. So the sneezes are not that long. And maybe that's the beginning of my trip through time. Uh, and then kind of the sneeze is over. And then I just have snot dripping down my upper lip. Speaking of your snot, when, when you wipe your nose, is the tissue covered in a bunch of Higgs boson particles? Have you seen that? <laughs> what the <fuck> is that? <laughs> that's the God particle. I wish particle. I knew what that was. What? That, that's evident. Sheena, Higgs boson. Explain it. Um, I actually don't know. Oh, we've stumped Sheena. It, well, it's not a drug. Oh, it's got to be drug. To it's get the particle that apparently connects uh, quantum theory with gravity. Oh, <laughs> do you realize I'm a college dropout? It, it travels uh, theoretically faster than the speed of light. So the Higgs boson particle, you could technically see through time. Yeah, well, that, then the answer is yes. It is this Kleenex is filled with uh, is Kleenex a sponsor? Should I say tissue? Do you have any sponsors of this other than Levitard's fucking absolutely little fantasy? I, we're working. We're begging certain condom companies and alcohols to take us, but none of them will so far. Yeah, no, I, I know. I can tell. Do you have to break for commercial or anything? Do you have any live reads? Yeah, Mike pops in and, and says a thing. And, and I hey, if you're enjoying this episode of the Jim Brockmeyer podcast, don't forget to try Afrin to clean out that nose. After a big night out, Afrin. Afrin. Joe Buck uses it. It cleans out his Higgs boson particles and travels back through time. All right, let's move on. Let's get off of science. Why? Why? I, I feel like the, this is like a Comedy Central roast, and I get to just sit here and, and volley back and forth with the genius that is Jim Brockmeyer. Oh, we're going to continue to bang on you. Remember that lovely baseball movie, Bang the Drum Slowly? Mm-hmm. Well, this is bang Joe Buck slowly. Okay. So we're just, we're just going to move on to topics here. Now, uh, wouldn't I, I would have loved that in high school. Bang Joe Buck slowly. <laughs> yeah. I was a lonely kid there, Jim. I'm sure, yeah. Lonely kid. <laughs> you could have used that. Uh, I could have. Get a prom date. Yeah. Now, this may surprise you, Joe, but I actually, I really hate all the Joe Buck vitriol that happens online because mm. I don't think many of these people actually even hate you. I just think they know it's cool to hate you and they're just jumping on the bandwagon to get likes and retweets, whatever the hell they get, which pisses me off because I have legitimately hated you for years upon years. Right. Yeah. It's not fair. It's not. I've been doing a grassroots since the mid nineties, since back before Twitter, I had to go door to door handing out flyers that just had your face with a red line slash through it. And now these posers come in and say they hate you just because it's trendy. It's disrespectful to me, Joe, the hatred of you and all the hard work I put in over the years. I can't say I disagree. I got one of those flyers back in the mid-90s. That must have been a mistake. How'd you get one? Did I hand you one once? It was blown around at a kid's park in St. Louis, and uh, it just blew in my direction. I picked it up. I knew it was you. That's that's when I stopped giving my dad your cassettes. <laughs> yeah, I'd hand him. By the way, they didn't even have a track back then. It was I think it was a six track I handed you for your dad. Yeah, no, I know you've you've gone to great lengths. You've been at this a long time. I've tried to help you and help your career any chance I can get, which is what is kind of my frustration in all this. And maybe that's that's where we miss as great friends and why I'm on your speed dial and why you're not even in my phone uh, is, is I feel like it's been really personal for a really long time. And therefore, you know, I, too much, too much water has gone under the bridge to not want to drown you in it. Look, I understand, Joe. I get it. I mean, uh, from your point of view, no good deed has gone unpunished and you have tried to help me out, which seemingly has only made me more and more resentful over the years. And I guess it has because no matter what, it just gets worse for me, you know, like 
I shit my pants in a Wendy's and, and you get another job. But I think the tide for you will turn at some point. I do. Maybe this is a little console. Let me throw you this friendly bone. Okay. I, I can sense it in the air. People are starting to push back against the narrative that you suck. You know, it's like Crocs. Remember those, the shoe Crocs, you know those? Absolutely, yeah. So people, people made fun of those for a long time. They acted like they were tacky. And then at some point in last year, people realized that Armageddon requires comfortable footwear. And now Crocs are hot. That's what's going to happen to you, Joe. You're the human equivalent of Crocs. Pretty soon you're going to be a universally beloved figure. And when that happens, I think that's the final sign. That's when the beast will rise from the ocean and the book of Revelation will be fulfilled. When people can tolerate you, Joe. Oh, well, I mean, I can only hope that that, that, that does come to pass. Although I don't know that an Armageddon with fire and brimstone and shit falling everywhere i don't know that crocs would be the right footwear footwear just because of the bendable nature the holes that are inside there i i just don't i i just i feel like you could do better than that although i saw something in my new york post app that uh crocs now has stiletto uh a stiletto version of crocs so maybe they're they're stepping it up literally and figuratively over the crocs factory well i wasn't saying you'd wear crocs to armageddon i'm just saying that like crocs you will have a tremendous turnaround you know, oh well yeah consensus. don't wear crocs to armageddon joe that's a fashion don't <laughs> just so you know joe just to, be, I just to put the uh the dot the eye of this thought if everybody loves you i still rest assured i'll continue to hate you because i have no problem sticking with something that society has moved on from as evidenced by the fact that i love baseball so clearly what's popular has absolutely no effect on my taste so just rest assured Okay, good. Am I being nicer to you than you, you expected? No. I actually am holding back, believe it or not, and there's a reason for that. I was going to be a lot meaner, but I got to level with you about something. I did not bring you here just to do this podcast. I got a big confession to make to you, and I'm a little nervous about it. It's something I've been wanting to tell you for a long time. I, I haven't been able to build up the courage until now. Out of curiosity, do you have any idea what I'm leading up to? Do you know what I'm about to apologize to you for? Mm. Any idea? No, because that would require me to care care about me. about what you think or do require to care about any other human being besides yourself which i should have known would have that's ridiculous. fair but certainly on that list of people that i don't care about which is everyone you're last <laughs> good to know good to know well part of me even with that lovely little uh, sentiment by you i still feel bad about this so back in 2011 remember when you lost your voice you, you recall that right yes course yeah. i'm the reason that happened joe did you know that i no no my god what yeah it's kind of a little hard to explain now the reason you tell people like was in your like remind everybody of what what you think happened i went in for my eighth hair transplant surgery <laughs> the eighth one is the charm as we all the know the eighth one is clearly the charm uh, and I went under and they put a tube down my throat. Like and it didn't have to be for hair transplant. It could have been for somebody removing my spleen and the tube. Or like, in, or like putting a soul in you or something like that, just theoretically. Correct. If you could do that. Right. Okay. If you could find the, or you could find the right person to, to pull that off. So they, the tube sat on the nerve that fires my left vocal cord. And I woke up sounding like this. Yeah, and I, I was I was like that for the better part of six, seven months or somewhere in there. So, all right. Nobody told you this because nobody knows that it happened, Joe, except for me. But here's what really happened. OK, uh, while you were under anesthesia, ah, boy, I tried to teabag you, Joe Buck. Um, 
I, I dressed up like a nurse and I put on scrubs, uh-huh. a whole shebang. And did, did, I don't it, know. did it bother you? Why go to that? I mean, to, to <laughs> fool the other people in the room, I was out. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I had to get through hospital security and such. So oh, I, had to, okay. I, had to get, I had to get back into the it's operating like the Joker. Room. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like the Heath Ledger Joker. And so there's a moment, I don't know if you knew this, but whenever somebody's put under anesthesia, there's a moment when all the doctors and nurses, they leave the room and they completely stop paying attention. And it's a wonderful time for pranks. I've discovered that over the years. So I broke in there in disguise. I hiked my leg up on the counter and I, I attempted to teabag you. Mm. And I, I just was, it's harmless. I was just going to take a photo of it. I'm like, put it on your medical chart and, you know, post it on media and stuff. But I could not get my scrotum around the tube, Joe. As you have seen many times in many circumstances, I have like a very big scrotum. What you probably don't know is it usually gets bigger right before a prank. It kind of fans out. It like blossoms like a flower uh, in it's anticipation. It's such a bad visual. <laughs> so, I, I, just, I don't want to hear it. No, it's like something out of Stranger Things. Yeah, it's like a display, like in nature, you know, when certain yeah. males display, that's like, it gets like that. No, you know what? I, I know you're having a tough time getting through the story, and I know you really feel bad about it. Let's just say it's all good. I'm, we're, we're fine. I, I don't really want to hear the end of the story. I don't care. I was out pretty much like most nights in your life. Whatever happened, happened. And then, you know, you just kind of wake up and go on about the next day. So you really don't want to hear the rest of it. That's why I'm going to continue telling you. Right. I ended up, I just, I I ended up just bumping the tube all around back and forth in your throat and just trying to come at it from different angles. But all it did was just stir it around like a (sighs) witch's cauldron. So it really kind of worked to your benefit. I mean, if you think about it, not only were you pulling a prank, but I came out really with my whole career looking like it was over and yeah you killed two birds with one scrotum prank yes that's the that was the tremendous upside the downside was i had to scramble out of there because i heard the doctors and nurses coming back and i never got to actually teabag you <sighs> you know but i i really a actually missed opportunity i did feel bad though honestly I, even i felt like i went too far you, you losing your voice you, you didn't deserve that at all it's okay i should have just stuck with my initial plan which was to replace your hair plugs with matt vasgurgian's pubes <laughs> just, just gonna do that I, i'd take anything i don't care what's what's up there if i get to comb it or run my fingers through it i'm good i don't care throw it in well is there anything i i owe you this amends is there anything i can do to make it up to you just say the word the, the word is no i i feel like uh your honesty here is is really personality shattering for me that that you feel compelled to even tell me this. So along those lines, I'm thankful. I'm sure you feel like the weight of the world is off your shoulders. Uh, It's all good. Voice came back. You never got to really totally follow through on what you intended to do. And uh, you scampered out of there. And here we are on a Zoom call, uh, semi post pandemic in 2021. I mean, everybody lives to, you know, go go on about a better life. So thanks so much, Jim. I still got Vasgersian's pubes in a jar if you want those. Probably sell them on eBay or something. Yeah, I think those are probably dead. Uh, It's got to be living uh, material, flesh, whatever that is. So I I I would say those are probably cooked, but I'm I'm willing to give it a shot. If you want them, I just got them. I'm just saying. Okay. Where are they? Could you locate them right now? Are they next to your bed? Are they (laughs) in a jar? I keep a uh, like a, a, a shelf of the body parts of different broadcasters <laughs> that that is i mean body parts that that yeah. seems like that you're incriminating yourself or are any of them like 
really old like is of the statute of limitations run out on any of these like the well, i haven't gone jeff i haven't Lindsay eaten them Nelson. i haven't gone like Je jeffrey dahmer on them i just like i, I take, you don't okay, eat them i don't eat them no i can't the, you know what say what you want about me joe i don't eat other broadcasters never have never will i'm very proud of that fiercely proud of that i yeah I, you should be because I, if i if if i would have pegged you for one thing that that would have been right toward the top of the list no i've not cannibalized at least uh you know, literally, I, I have I have metaphorically cannibalized a lot of people. I've stolen a lot of crap over the years, as you know. Oh, I know. Yeah, I, I hear a lot of other people's stuff come out in your work. Like, uh, welcome to McDonald's. How may we help you? Oh, uh, you see, just because I shit myself in a Wendy's doesn't mean I'm I'm above working at McDonald's, Joe. Well, no, I mean you were scouting out the competition. McDonald's doesn't have a frosty. No, they have a McFlurry. <laughs> True, but there's only one frosty. All right, so yeah, I mean, Sheena, what's a frosty? A frosty is a thing that is more delicious than a McFlurry. I said what I said. Yeah, that's I, I agree. If I'm going to go one fast food kind of dessert treat, milkshake, whatever a frosty's in the category of, I go frosty. I can't have this debate again about the McFlurry versus frosty thing. I can't live through that again. <laughs> okay. But you're right, Joe. Everything worked out fine in the end. You're on top of the world as usual. Case in point, I saw you're going to be hosting Jeopardy. Is that correct? I have hosted Jeopardy. You did it already. It's in the can, and it comes out, I think, the 9th or so of August, the second week of August. Why Jeopardy, Joe? Is there something special about Jeopardy, or is this simply part of your goal to conquer every single minute of network television? Definitely that. I, I did want to be challenged and, and you know do some different stuff and show that I can succeed theoretically doing a, a quiz show like that but I, I don't know i don't know how i did i think it went well but we'll see i mean let's let the uh twitterverse be the judge of that oh i'm sure they'll be kind and measured about it yeah i'm, I'm sure, sure it'll be very well thought out okay so step one was hosting jeopardy so check that box now so when are you going to be on days of our lives as like the new <laughs> the pool boy guy isn't that coming pool up boy. for you uh yeah i am uh I used to watch Days of Our Lives, so I'm trying to, like, patch. I want to be patch part two. So when you did Jeopardy, those moments were like Trebek. Did you do that thing where, like, you have to get little fun facts from the contestants? Did you do that part, your little mini interview? interview? You interview them? Yeah. Yes. yes. Those people exude so much social awkwardness. <laughs> I, I gave my TV a wedgie one time watching that. I just couldn't take it anymore. How, to did, how did you stop yourself from... Did you want to slap them in the face and just say, you know, get a life and... Stop no, I, I don't nerd. like, I don't know for people that are smarter than me. I I'm, I'm willing to tip my cap and say, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you visited Machu Picchu when you were uh, 21. I good for you. I didn't. Well, I wish you had said exactly that. Somebody says, well, well, Joe, I, I, I had the good fortune to visit Peru and I, I enjoyed myself greatly with my lovely wife. Yeah. I'm happy for you. Nerd brain. You went to Machu Picchu next idiot. I wish, I think that would have been great. Not next, idiot. Next I, Poindexter. I, I stood there in awe and I'm looking at the answer. Well, however you want to pose that since the answers are questions. I'm looking at it and I'm still stunned at their ability to come up with the, especially under the gun. I mean, I screwed up family feud for my family uh, and that's coming out in August as well. So Wow. You are, yes. boy, you really are going for domination of every single airwave out there. Guest, host, producer, craft service. You're on every, you're literally part of every broadcast yes. there is. Yes, yes, Would you like uh, some more lavash crackers with your uh, soup, Mr. Brockmeyer? I actually would. 
I want you to go, I'm just going to go jump up and get those. Check, check the kids and get me some lavash crackers. I will. Right. I will. Does that mean we can be done? No, not even close. Now, I, I mean, is this what are we trying to set the record here? How long are we gone? Well, I, if you I, stop answering so long and just let me get through my I roast of you. I've said 10 words on this podcast. I've never been a guest and said less in my life. <laughs> listening to these long, winding stories. Oh, I'm just getting started. So I'm listening to these stories and I, I'm waiting to like get in to give my answer, but there's more. Yeah, well, here's it. You don't need to say anything. Just let, you're just here, so I'm, it's a prop for me to say stuff. You know shit. Well, now that you caught on to it, be quiet so I can just get through it all and get you out of here faster. Point to me when it's time for me to talk. I will. Do you expect to become the permanent Jeopardy host? And I understand if you can't say anything, but there's one thing I've learned in my many years of sports broadcasting. It's that Joe Buck is inevitable and resistance is futile. Do you see yourself that way, Joe, as an inevitable force of nature, like rising sea levels and melting ice caps? Is that how you view yourself? I'm pointing at you. you can talk. Oh, now. okay. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I do not see myself as an inevitable force of nature, but thank you for putting it that way. I'll think about that as I drift off to sleep tonight. I, I don't know. And I don't know how it's going to be received. When I walk out of a game, I know how the game went. I know how I think I did. I have a good feel for hosting Jeopardy. I have no point of reference. I have no idea. So I don't know how it looked. I don't know if it was horrible. I don't know if it was great. I don't know if it was somewhere in between. I have no idea. I didn't see it either, Joe. I, I, my, what I'm telling you is it doesn't matter because you are like climate change. We all had a chance to stop you. We blew it and we're all past the point of no return now. Well, so. then consider me. Uh, I'm like a little electric car going through life, trying to trying to slow down climate change and do my part to reduce my carbon footprint, which you probably snort carbon. So uh, how's your carbon footprint? He really does. He does. I have snorted carbon. Absolutely. Carbon paper. I burnt you burn up the carbon paper like the old Xerox paper. You inhale that man. Is that a kick? That's a high. Yeah, yeah, that sounds fantastic. Me and Nancy Sinatra Jr. did that one time. I think you were going to say you and Nance did that together. <laughs> Jimmy, Jim Nance and Nancy Sinatra. Was my, I was on an all-Nance kick. Oh, good. All right, now, Joe, let's get some actual sports stuff. Before we have Sheena introduce a uh, topic, we were talking earlier, Joe, about this whole baseball sticky stuff, messing with baseball controversy. It's such an insane advantage to pitchers. I mean, you watch these pitches they're throwing these days, and I will say the same thing I said when Harry Carey walked by me with nothing but a T-shirt on. Balls are not meant to move that way. It's truly unfair to hitters, is it not, Joe? What, what is your take on all this? I agree with what Pete Alonzo said, which is if these guys are throwing as hard as they're throwing it, I would rather have the guy on the mound have control of the baseball than not know where it's going, which is we've had uh, in the 06 World Series, we had Kenny Rogers that had a huge pine tar smudge on the palm of his pitching hand. And that became a thing uh, where the Cardinals then were, I think, were forced because we were talking about it to complain about it. They made him wash his hand. It's been a well-known thing in October that pitchers need help gripping the baseball. So it's kind of been an unspoken thing. And I'm assuming this means that with spin rate and trying to get that up to make, as you said, balls move the way they're not meant to move, uh, that it's now bled into more of the regular season. I honestly have absolutely no idea what advantage it gives other than uh, it seems like hitters are pretty much pissed off about it and pitchers are enjoying uh, having a higher spin rate. So I don't know how they 
enforce this without slowing down the game at an unbelievable slowdown rate. And, and it's the last thing the game needs is to slow down. That would slow down the game if the ump had to check the pitcher between every pitch. You think that would be boring for people? <laughs> it might alienate some fans. Uh, yeah, considering everybody's paranoid about sign stealing and everything, it's just become not what it was. It's, it's a little bit more of a, I can out trick you instead of I can outplay you, outpitch you, outhit you. And that's a shame. Well, Pete Alonzo, that was sort of the reasonable part of what he said. But what about the, the MLB adjusting the ball to the free agent class thing? Like I don't. That seems very uh, Oliver Stone-ish to me, that they're worried about. The Major League Baseball is worrying about the free agent class that's coming up, so they're deadening the ball and whatever. I, I just see guys going to the plate now. Back when you and I grew up in this game, I feel like there was uh, a stigma attached to striking out. And and now it's not frowned upon. It's not a big deal. They're worrying about launching the ball. They're trying to beat shifts. I understand why it happens, but I don't know that it's better for the game. You have less singles than you've ever seen hit, more strikeouts than there have ever been. I think 15 straight years, the strikeout rate has gone up every season. Yeah. And when that's going on, there's a lack of action. And, and so that that to me is the critical piece that has to be addressed going forward. How can we get more action happening when the first pitch of the inning happens to the last pitch of the inning happens? Yeah, Joe, I missed some of that because I, I was a little distracted by how annoying your voice is. And, and while I agree with a lot of it, this is what I mean, Joe. You, you drone on and you seem to bend time. Just your head gravity made that monologue seem endless. I cannot remember a time when you weren't talking. So let's move on. A couple other, uh, couple other sports stories here. Okay, well, as announced before the season, the Cleveland Indians are dropping their problematic team name, and ESPN reports that they have now narrowed the list of replacements from over 1,200 entries. Among the most popular replacements being discussed are the Spiders, the Guardians, and the Avengers. Now the team will be working with Major League Baseball to select a final choice, draw up logos, and ensure legal viability. Ensure legal viability, Joe, meaning mm -hmm. make sure when we call the team the Avengers, Disney doesn't sue us into oblivion. That might be a bit problematic, I would think. I mean, I feel like that name's kind of been taken and it just leads into uh, very easy promotional nights. I'm going to say that doesn't get it. Well, I mean, I can't believe they're considering it. I mean, I understand Spiders. That was an actual baseball team in Cleveland in the I 90s. I kind of like that. But did they even say, you know, like, why Avengers? What's with the Avengers thing? Is there any rationale? Well, so the first Avengers movie was partially filmed in Cleveland, which might be oh. why. But that was the movie that took place in New York. Like, the movie was set in, quote-unquote, New York. So they filmed Cleveland as though it was in New York. All right, so wait a minute. What I'm gathering from what you're telling me is that Cleveland wants to commemorate a movie that was embarrassed to be in Cleveland. Is that right? Correct, Yes. Jesus Christ. Well, how about the uh, Wild Things? I mean, that was shot in Cleveland. It's about the Cleveland baseball team. 50 million times better. Okay, there's my answer. But I like the Spiders. I do too. But the concept of naming your baseball team after a movie because a part of the movie was shot in the city is ridiculous. It's like calling the Giants the San Francisco Mrs. Doubtfires, <laughs> which wouldn't be actually bad. I'd actually, <laughs> I'd like, I would enjoy that logo. It's yeah. actually pretty good, yeah. Yeah, I like that. What do you think they should be called, Joe? What would you what would you I'm I, I've always thought it would be spiders. I like that name. I don't like spiders in my life, but I think it's, you know, spiders bother a lot of people. 
They have uh, eight legs. They go all over the place. They seem to uh, be tough to capture and dispose of. I'm going spiders. Yeah, and much like Cleveland, you kind of forget spiders are there, and then you're startled by their very existence. It's just a natural for them. I think the logo would look cool. I think the hats would look cool. The commercials write themselves. Cleveland spiders, you'll swallow us in your sleep. <laughs> what else we got, Sheena? Let's, let's give another one. Give another one. Voting has officially opened up for the 2021 MLB All-Star Game at Coors Field in Colorado, which will be announced by our very own Joe Buck and John Smoltz. Surprise, surprise. Joe's going to be announcing that, huh? Huh? Didn't, I didn't see that coming. I'll be shitting in Wendy's that night, my friend. Voting will happen in two phases, where fans can vote for whoever they want until June 24th, at which point fans will have to choose between the top three vote-getters at every position. But while we won't know for sure for a few weeks, it's pretty much a lock that we're going to be seeing Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Fernando Tatis Jr., and Shohei Otani in the Midsummer Classic. Uh, Joe, so, you know, you always call the All-Star Game, always, always, always. What are you looking forward to other than, you know, seeing your face on national television? Yet that again? part. And then the young players. I, I think the game is in, along those lines, the game is in really great hands. I mean, there are, you know, Ronald Acuna Jr. is off the charts. Otani is doing things that, that haven't been done for 100 years, maybe ever. And, you know, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, it's kind of like pick your stud. You don't even mention Mike Trout, who I know has got this calf tear that he's dealing with, but there are so many great young players in this game, like exciting athletes to watch. And and I think on along those lines, Major League Baseball has got to be thrilled with the kind of athletes and, and dynamic players that are coming up. So that, that'll be a fun night. Well, do you love Otani or are you threatened by him, by a man who's like yourself doing way, way too much? Like, are you afraid at any minute... He won't just pitch and hit, but start calling the game instead of you. Do you worry yeah, about that? No, that's fine. I would like to see that. I he is. I mean, he's in his mid twenties. He's got electric stuff. He's been through Tommy John surgery. He has a ton of power. I. It just becomes a question for Joe Madden or anybody who's going to manage him the rest of his time here is is how best to use him and how best to not wear him out. But he is as exciting a player as has come along in a long time. Agreed. And you mentioned Mike Trout. Speaking of exciting players. And it's baseball gets these amazing once in a generation talents, then they get lost in this Bermuda Triangle known as Orange County. I mean, they're never in the playoffs, they're rarely in contention. They're playing baseball in the middle of the night. I mean, I would like to see Otani get more national attention. You know, you love watching Tatis Jr. and Vlad Guerrero Jr. and carrying on the, the family legacy there. Because having Hall of Famer DNA, that does not necessarily make you a good baseball player. Because if it did, half the All-Star team would be towels from the Ritz-Carlton, right, Joe? <laughs> I never thought of it that way, but it's, that's, that's really well, well put. Well, now you'll never get the image out of your head, Joe. All right, we'll get you, and I'll get you out of here on a game. Let's play, we always play a little game. Yeah. And this game is called, Would Joe Buck Do It? Okay? Okay, great. You seem sincere when you say great. Every guest is pretty much sick of me at this point, so you're no exception. Now, we all know that you'll do pretty much any job that's offered to you. Golf, Jeopardy, my numerous interventions. I believe that you think if you ever stop moving that something bad would happen, like the demons would come. So this is like less of a game now and more of me trying to figure out if there's a job you'd say no to. So Sheena's going to list a bunch of theoretical broadcasting jobs. You just tell me if you would or wouldn't do it, okay? Okay. All right, Sheena, go ahead. The National Spelling Bee. No. 
I would not want to broadcast something that that I'm not good at myself. Although, yes, I did do Jeopardy. I just the whole spelling thing, and then kids being under pressure. I it's just it's awkward. So you draw the nerd line at age. Nerds are okay, but under a certain age, not okay. I don't right. like seeing kids like crying on stage. That doesn't thrill me. No. Uh, what's next, Sheena? The Nathan's hot dog eating contest? No. No, huh? No. I tried to do that for a show I was shooting, and it's just, it's impossible. And and just the whole, the whole idea of it makes me want to throw up. Probably because you look too much like an uncooked hot dog, and you, you're afraid you'd be in danger of being eaten. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. No, I passed. Not surprised. What's next, Sheena? Bullfighting? Did you do that? Uh, no. I mean, we're 0 for 3. I, I have no desire to see either Matador or Bull impaled or dead. I, I don't know where you go from that. How do you... Okay, well, it was a fun night here at the old bull ring, and sorry for our uh, Matador, who's now dead and being carried out or sorry for Ferdinand, who uh, I'm sure would have had a nice life out on a farm, but now has blood streaming down its sides. And uh, well, anyway, your local news is next. That's a much better joke than I had prepared. So I'm just going to leave it at that. What's next, Sheena? An old time gun duel between politicians like Alexander <laughs> yes. Hamilton and Aaron Burr. Yes. Or, or current day. I, I just, yes, I think that would be fun. I like that. Boy, see, I thought you'd say no to that. See, you don't you don't have me as pegged as you think you do. I guess I don't. Because you mentioned current day, I think you'd want to stay out of politics. Like, I think it'd be difficult for anyone to feign excitement when Ted Cruz goes full Suge Knight on Bernie Sanders. Does Suge, Suge Knight, like, backing his car up into someone or gunning someone down in Vegas, Suge Knight? I don't know. I don't know this millennial detailed rap stuff. I don't you know. You know, now that I think about it, again, like the the whole bullfighting thing, I just don't think there's a, a nice, friendly way to get off the air. I mean, if somebody's got to go down, I, I don't want to see that. I, I already did a Robbie Knievel uh, limousine jump in Vegas live on TV. I, I'm just going to leave that kind of death-defying thing as, as my only one of those. That was your masterpiece. All right, you're going to walk it away. It was. <laughs> it was some of my best work. All right, what's next, Sheena? <laughs> Only two more, Joe. Only two more. Thank God. Two more, babe. Two more. (laughs) The most dangerous game, a.k.a. hunting human beings for sport. Oh, would you do that? Hunting human beings for sport? Like the Jennifer Lawrence thing? The Hunger Games? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm good. I'm good with that. And I didn't, I thought Woody Harrelson's hairpiece in that was off-putting, too. But I thought you did that already. Maybe that was just a nightmare of mine I had where I was being hunted by Jeff Bezos and you were announcing it. Well, that I would do. <laughs> if it was me, you'd do it? If it was you and it was Jeff Bezos, I think the Bezos thing throws it over the top. I'd like to see the two of you go to space together. Who would be a broadcast partner for that? Would it's Smoltz or Aikman? Or would you go for like a wild card? Yeah, someone that the kids could relate to. I'd pair you with uh, uh, that uh, that Werner Herzog on that. Oh, okay. Like, Joe, I look, listen to the squeal of death. That was exquisite, wasn't it, Joe? <laughs> I think you weren't ever. All right, let's. All right, last one, Sheena. The last one? Oh, my God. I hold in my hand the last envelope. Ew. Jim Brockmeyer's funeral. Would you call that? No. Not. Nor would I attend. Because it would, it would require me to get on a plane and go somewhere or get into a car and take a long drive. When that day comes and. Uh, God, I hope I hope it doesn't happen for weeks. I would not want to be anywhere near the kind of crowd that you would attract. Debt collectors, ex-wives, kids you never met. I just wouldn't want to wade through the humanity. You know, I was going to say something nice, Joe, but just for that, I could see you doing a eulogy over Zoom. 
by then they'd have a Joe Buck hologram that could pop up and annoy everybody, which would be nice for you because then people could safely throw stuff at you. That's right, and I would not feel it. Yeah, it'd be a win-win. You'd be safe and we'd all have joy at throwing things at your enormous head. I'm sorry, win-win-win, because that would mean you were done. I'd also be dead. Well, on that joyous note, your local news is next. Well, that's all for the Jim Brockmeyer podcast today, folks. I'm so sorry that we made you listen to Joe Buck's voice more than you already have to. We'll be back again in two weeks for another episode. And also, remember to find out, run, and regurgitate. What is it? Follow, rate, review. Follow, rate, review. I knew it was an FRR thing. Do the things that Sheena tells you there. Thank you to Mike Ryan. Thanks to Meadowlog Media, to Funny or Die, and of course to Rye Whiskey. God bless Rye Whiskey for making this all possible. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.